Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so you can feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Kana. Nidhi, we have um, a few things that we want to mention on today's show, starting with... uh, We've mentioned on past shows how we think the city of Toronto, where we're broadcasting from, should have an official cookie, much like we discovered Red Deer Alberta has the caramel surprise. We have sort of mentioned that we think our city should have an official cookie. And we came up with quite an elaborate yet enticing recipe for the official cookie. That's right. We have... uh, ginger vanilla molasses cookie with some cinnamon and vanilla i believe yes cinnamon vanilla and you know i think we should add a little bit of chili pepper to it just a dash of chili pepper for this that's controversial i know i like it it makes the cookie uh i think very reflective of all the different flavors of our different cultures that you'll find in toronto so we've had some listeners sort of tweet us and ask what's going on with this official campaign for our official cookie for the city of Toronto. And we've decided to take it a step further by emailing our mayor, John Tory, and seeing if he'll jump on board with the official cookie. And we'll let our listeners know what happens with regards to that particular email, but we sent it out today. I'm curious to see what he thinks about um, both the thought of an official cookie for the city of Toronto and our potential recipe. Who knows? Maybe we'll actually get the mayor on and talk to him. Yeah, wouldn't about that be wonderful? Some of the things that happen in council that make him want to fall asleep. Because sometimes, if you listen to a councillor speak about a particular bylaw or Injunction or whatnot, they can go on and on and on, and uh, it can be quite thorough and not interesting. I agree, Marco. To watch it sometimes, um, the uh, I don't I don't know if it's called committee of adjustment where they 
have to hear all the uh, citizens come in to talk about housing plans or get a building permit or things like that. I, I can't imagine that that's as colorful or exciting as some of the other things that go along in council. I know one time I had to face a city tribunal, let's say. It wasn't necessarily a council, but it was something to do with the ravine behind my parents' house where it was being optioned to have homes built there. And the community at large was a little bit um, nervous that they were going to build many homes in this small plot of ravine. As you know, every little space of the city seems to be used for housing. So I went to speak for my parents and told the city councillors who were there listening to this sort of I don't think it was a legal proceeding, but it was something to hear the voices of the various people that would be affected by the home. Like a community engagement. Yeah, but I know that there was a lawyer representing the builders. Anyway, so we basically said, listen, we don't, we understand that this beautiful ravine, which had beautiful grasses and, you know, finches and various birds and, you know, wildlife flowers and whatnot in this beautiful ravine was going to be utilized for homes because it had been purchased from the city and while we thought it was a shame to lose this beautiful grassland um, we said we just want to ensure that it doesn't become incongruent with what the neighborhood looks like whereas the residents were like we understand that homes are going to be built and we welcome you know people coming into our community but they want it to be congruent and not overdone as some some projects could happen or has have happened in the area and so our thoughts were listened to or our feelings were listened to and considered and in fact they reduced the number of homes based on that particular meeting amendment or whatnot i'm glad that that worked out marco because uh sometimes it could go either way in those situations you're not sure what council wants or what they're going to do, but I'm really happy to hear that they considered the voices of the constituents. Sure. Marco, we've been getting some great feedback from around the world about this podcast, which has been really wonderful. And some of our listeners are actually in a town called Bury in the United Kingdom. Have you heard of Bury? Oh, I haven't, actually. So Bury is uh, in the greater Manchester area. Okay, so it's it's part of the, um, that sort of area of England. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are known for, um, they have a thrice weekly market. Now, you never hear the word thrice. Not often enough, that's for sure. Uh, Exactly. but it's a thrice weekly market that's held on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Oh, I love markets. I is do it too. is it a open market or is it a market of just sort of um, fruits and vegetables and local sort of farming, or does it encompass more than that? Because I love going to markets, and in the summertime when they have a farmers market, it's yes. always lovely to sort of walk and see what fruits and vegetables are in season, or you might run into a beekeeper who's selling honey or honey products like honeycomb and candles and whatnot and homemade items like quilts and and things like that is all it's one of the things i love to do on a sunday afternoon 
farmers markets are up there with antique markets I think in terms of your ability to just enjoy and relax and it being a summertime mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon as you say um, at least that's what it evokes for me as well that feeling of just pleasantness pleasantness sure um, so it sounds like Bury would be a pleasant place to stroll three times a week at the very least at these markets that they have yes and I'm just looking at some photos here on um, the Greater Manchester website and it does look like it's both an open air market and perhaps it has a little bit of um, an enclosed area but I think it is your traditional English market with food and perhaps artisanal crafts um, they also have uh, a notorious buried black pudding. Oh, yum. Which is a local delicacy, and it's served boiling hot and eaten as a takeaway snack. Uh, I believe takeaway or, or... Have you ever had um, black pudding, Marco? I have in the past, yes. What do you think about black pudding? I, you know, it's interesting because I can understand how the thought of having black pudding could be... Uh, off-putting for people but once you get over that sort of you know thought because they use pork blood if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. when you're making a black pudding once you get over the fact that you know there's an an item that you eat now if you eat meat I see nothing wrong with eating you know the entire animal or as much of the animal as possible and not wasting any of that animal and pork blood is part of it as well and uh, I've had it in sausages and, and in puddings and whatnot and it's actually quite lovely I know that I've had recently a crepe that's made with both chocolate dark chocolate and uh, pork blood and um, those sound like very um, incongruous tastes yeah but it wasn't it actually really reflected well in the crepe and it had chocolate and almonds inside and was wrapped with a bit of creme anglaise on top and it was actually sensational so Bury has their own they so their farmer's market now the name Bury Marco Mm -hmm. is actually comes from a Saxon word and it probably meant a stronghold in ancient times um, and in ancient times, they say that the whole area must have been very marshy and moorland-like, right. which makes sense, it being England. Sure. Um, they also have uh, Sir Robert Peel, who is a prime minister, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, has a monument there. Well, there you go. And he actually was also the founder of the Metropolitan Police Force. Well, there you go. Well, listen... We'd like to send a special hello to all our listeners from Bury in the United Kingdom. And thank you for listening. And uh, if you'd like to let us know about fun things that happen in your city, we welcome it at Listen and Sleep. Or go to our website. And uh, we look forward to talking about other places where we have listeners. And uh, we invite our listeners to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Um, we've had a couple of subscribers and it's always nice to know that there are people who are looking forward to the next episode. I was uh, walking by a construction site yesterday and I noticed that there was a concrete mixer. Ah, a you, very that's very um, typical of a 
construction site, is it not? It's true. Uh, you know, depending on what's happening, whether they're retarring or repaving the road, you'll see different things that will, you know, the thing that sort of boils the tar or keeps the tar warm. Right. This particular construction site was building, I want to say condos, but large buildings anyways, and they had a couple of concrete mixers. And I was thinking to myself, I remember mixing concrete for uh, various projects that we would have in the home as a child. Have you ever had contact with concrete or mixed any concrete? I have not mixed concrete. Uh, I I don't even think I know the recipe for mixing concrete. I imagine there's... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to know that, but before we get there, Marco, mm-hmm. I find it interesting that you mixed concrete for uh, home projects because in an earlier episode you talked about how you wanted your hands to be very uh, much the hands of, of like worker hands, right, construction right, hands right. like your father. And uh, it seems that if you have experienced mixing concrete that you do have those hands. Well, it's interesting you should say that. My father is a very handy individual, so he, around the house, would fix things and build things and whatnot. And so long before I I became a hand model, I would assist him in these various projects and whatnot. And when things had to be repaired in the home, I was always his reluctant assistant. And uh, as a result, I picked up quite a few sort of skills with regards to home projects. And one of them was mixing concrete, which is a lot more complex than you would think. Tell me about what goes into mixing concrete. Well, it really depends on where the concrete's going to be used and what mix of concrete you're going to use as well. So some concrete, and I am in no way an expert in concrete mixing or making concrete. I can only tell you Marco, on this show, you are the expert. I I, I guess, uh, in this particular case. But some concrete has stones in it. Some concrete is powder fine. Um, There's different kinds of concrete for different projects. So essentially, you would get a bag of whatever concrete you're going to use. And they're like, you can get like a one pound to ten pound bag of concrete and even more for construction sites but for our purposes we would have like maybe a 10 pound bag of concrete which you'd open this paper bag and put it into a wheelbarrow I'm sure you could use it in in various pails as well we would always use a wheelbarrow and then you would add water to the mix and mix it thoroughly with a shovel Uh, now the difficult part is not to add too much water that the concrete becomes too liquid. Right. You want it to have more of a... Thicker consistency. Yeah. In some cases, you want it like tar. In some cases, you want a little more liquid. And then there's a whole bunch of tools that go along with when you use concrete. So there's like trowels and um, various sort of little little spades and whatnot that would allow you to take the concrete from the wheelbarrow and put it into the project that you're going to be using. I can imagine that that would be quite um, a workout in the, in in terms of mixing it because of the strength required as the concrete becomes thicker and thicker. Or is it quite a simple 
oh, for thing sure. to mix. For sure, there's the challenge of that. And certain concretes you want to use pretty quick as well because they'll harden quicker than others and you want to use it while its consistency is still, um, you know. I think the best way to describe the consistency of concrete for most of the projects is like oatmeal. So like, like an oatmeal that you make um, that was the consistency we were going for. So not too liquid. It has some sort of, you know, stickiness to it, but that's, that's the consistency you would look for. Mm -hmm. Marco, you mentioned that sometimes you would use fine concrete mm -hmm. and sometimes more grain, uh, grainy or stone yes. concrete. Sometimes we would add actual stones to the concrete. Now, when would you use either or? So I know we used a finer concrete when we were doing, um, let's say, the floor of a shower. Okay. But when we were doing bigger projects that were outside and would have more wear and tear and wouldn't necessarily be the base of something else. So, for example, in a shower, we would be adding tiles and other things on top of the concrete. But outside, we might be doing like a little patio area or um i'm trying to think something more recent we did it was kind of like a it wasn't quite a patio area but it would be at the cottage where you where you get out of the cottage and it was the area that let's say the the barbecue was on so that particular area we did in concrete and uh would require a stronger because it's outdoors type of concrete and, and in this case we had some stones in it as well Marco, I want to talk a bit about patios. Sure. I love patio season, mm -hmm. patio weather. I love reading a book outside with a patio. I think patios can also be used more and more in the winter time with these outdoor heaters. Sure. I don't have a patio in my home mm -hmm. currently. However, you, this past summer, created a patio area in your home. And how did that change the experience of your outdoor capabilities in the summer, and perhaps even the fall? That's a that's a great question. So, it was quite an expense to build this patio in our backyard, but we wanted to really use, like you said, all seasons of the year, our home. And uh, what the patio ended up doing was add an additional room, although be it albeit being an outdoor room, to our home. It's like another space where you can, can congregate, really. Without a doubt. And it was wonderful because it was an area where we could have friends sit and have drinks or have coffee. And sometimes we, Amanda and I would go out and have our morning coffee and read the paper. And uh, on occasions I really enjoyed bringing my computer out onto the patio where we got some beautiful patio furniture and paying bills, uh, which is never a fun fun activity to do, but at least when you're outside and we have a beautiful tree in our patio as well and there's always birds and squirrels in that tree and uh, paying the bills while you're in the city amongst whatever nature that you have. In this case, we have a, Norway, a Norwegian maple in our backyard, which is a very large tree, and it's not a native species. I ended up discovering when I spoke to an arborist who was dealing with our tree, and uh, although it's not a na native species, we've really 
loved this tree in our backyard and sort of built our patio around it and it is now a feature of our patio. One thing I know we were thinking of doing was putting up hammocks. Now that would be quite an idea because hammocks in patios are not seen too often. However, I believe they are very integral to a patio experience mm -hmm. or can be if used correctly. Oh, for sure. I think the one thing about a patio is that or sorry, the one thing about hammocks is that you need two strong structures to support the yes. patio. So it would be two trees or two um, objects that would pillars. be pillars. Pillars would be good because it has to be the structure has to be embedded in the patio, right? right? You can't just use um, something that would easily collapse or anything like that. And the thing about our particular patio is that we've only got one tree back there. Right. And for the hammock to stretch from the tree to our fence, where we could probably secure it, brings a really weird sort of angle and therefore we weren't able to use the hammock in our patio Not that said we got some beautiful patio furniture and um, a beautiful table that we have guests out there and and i think when patio season opens for us we'll be broadcasting our podcast from the patio and you might hear the sounds of little critters that dwell in the city, whether they be little finches or chickadees or the odd squirrel that jumps from tree to tree, you'll be hearing that in upcoming podcasts, so listen out for that. Marco, you read my mind with that. We were quite in sync with regards to a broadcast from the patio area. I think that that is uh, going to provide, as you say, a unique background noise and backdrop for our podcast. It would be uh, something that we would invite our listeners to let us know about their patios and features that they enjoy in their patios. For example, I have friends who have a beautiful backyard, and one of the features of their backyard, they do have a patio, but it continues on, and this is in Stratford, Ontario, and they have um, a beautiful koi pond. And actually, you know oh, Phi, wow. yes. Phi has this beautiful koi pond, and... Uh, He's got little koi fish in it, and they grow over the season. And uh, I often ask him, how are your koi doing? And it's something that both Fi and I really enjoy talking about. What is it about watching fish mm -hmm. in water that is so relaxing, calming, um, interesting? Because... I've been to the aquarium here in Toronto, and it is quite a lovely experience. And you have some fish who would be, who are kind of cute sure. and um, interesting to look at. And then you have your jellyfish or your mm -hmm. more unique species that are also um, very, just quite, you, you can look at them for hours on end just watching them do whatever it is that they do in those waters. Sure. And then you have, you know, the bigger fish, such as the sharks. Right. Um, and uh, somehow sharks are very interesting as well of to course. watch, even though there is danger about them. Well, I, I think 
they're very sleek and they glide in the water so elegantly. And I think whenever you look at water and moving water and things that move in water, it does have a hypnotic effect. It does. And especially when you see interesting creatures like various fish that you would see in an aquarium. I know from the from the perspective of looking at koi, you're looking at them from above and so you can really see the patterns in which they swim. Each koi looks very different. Some have speckles, some have are completely golden or orange in color and um, their tails can often be very fancy. And so watching fish swim whether it be jellyfish that sort of go back and forth and back and forth and move very slow, slowly to a tiger shark that may be in a large aquarium that gracefully and cunningly moves through the water, it can have quite a hypnotic effect and it could have a beautiful delight to your eyes, at least it does for me. And that's why I love seeing water and wildlife. I agree. I find that the ability to even see sh um, fish in a smaller uh, at-home aquarium oh. can be quite calming. I used to have freshwater fish aquariums, and I used to love that. Did and, you? Uh, you know, various things from little tetras, the ones that have neon colors to them, to angelfish and little sharks in the tank that sort of clean they're like bottom dwellers that clean sort of the base of the tank and algae that grows it was something that I really enjoyed as a child well Marco if any of our listeners have some tales with fish that they would like to talk to us about or let us know about we can be reached at listen and sleep and as usual, we are broadcasting today from Toronto, and we are thrilled and so thankful for the support that we have with this podcast from all different places in the world. So thank you to our listeners. And we hope you will subscribe and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about on future episodes of The Insomnia Project.